around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Man, I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. Talking NBA basketball. And we have been treated to two amazing conference finals. I'm thrilled to be a fan during something like that. Two game sevens, how do you beat that? You don't beat that. But i tell you what we did beat. We beat the sports books, didn't we? We banged on their door and knocked them out and hit the window with both hands. These playoffs, since I started the Bovada free play of the day, 20 and 8 in NBA basketball. That's well over 70%. Just 4 and 3 in baseball, but we're just getting started with that. And baseball is much harder. Well, they're both hard. If it were all easy, Las Vegas wouldn't have sports books. Instead, they would have huts because they couldn't afford all that opulence. But they have a way of doing something. It's called winning money. And we took them to the cleaners, didn't we? Took them to the woodshed. And if you want to take even more money from these sports books, you got to hit me up, fantasyfield 31 at yahoo.com, flash tennis 31 on Twitter, and let's go make some cash with the Flash. We will tailor make a subscription plan, a premium subscription plan just for you. That's right, just for you. No one else does that. But the Flash wants you to make cash with him, but he also wants to get paid. You know, because it's a lot of work to do this. And if you're making money from my work, I should be making money also. And so we're going to be doing that. And we're going to do baseball all through the summer. We're going to do, in the fall, NC2A football, NFL football. We're also going to do hockey. We will be doing NBA basketball, NC2A basketball, harness racing, thoroughbred racing. And maybe we'll even do some soccer. We'll have to see about that. I have to find somebody for the soccer. I can't know everything, right? Anyway, hit me up. Fantasyfill31 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at FlashTennis31 and we will hook something up just for you. Only here at the Phil Nason Show. Sounds good, huh? I think it does too. I like beating up on those sports books. And we've been banging the book, man, 20-8 and eight since I started the Bovada free play of the day in basketball. That's well over 70%. That's pretty good. And, and I'm pretty excited. I'm fired up. I know a lot of you are. You've been contacting me, talking to me about things. And I, I enjoy talking with you. I enjoy listening to your betting dilemmas. And I love being a part of your financial success by knocking out the sports book. We love that, don't we? And unlike a lot of guys who yap, 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 I document all my stuff. You can go back and see what I did. And from what I've been told, my touts are very thorough, which I guess is my trademark. Anyone who says that I'm not very thorough, well, <laughs> they've never read my work. Anyway, we had two amazing conference finals. Both of them went seven games. We haven't had that in a very long time. And I was so excited to watch both of those series. I know it looked a little mundane, a little ordinary watching the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
But if you've ever watched the Cavaliers this season, you'll know a lot of their games are like that, you know, a little shaky defense, spurty offense, and getting her done. If you watch the Boston Celtics, what you saw this season was a team with a lot of grit. They lost Gordon Hayward five minutes into the season. Kyrie Irving had his third knee procedure in three years in March. That's a tough row to hoe. And and I understand sports hate. Believe me, I have it too. Are you listening, Miami Heat fans? But to hoot on a guy like Terry Rozier because he had a tough time in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals as a second-year player, if you'd have brought this scenario up at the beginning of the season, Terry Rozier's name would never be mentioned in any preview because he was really just basically a backup to Kyrie, right? And he had to step up, and he stepped up all through the playoffs, all through the finish of the regular season, and during the regular season when Kyrie would miss games. And he did a fantastic job up until Game 7. You know, Jalen Brown had an amazing playoff series and run. He had a tough time shooting in Game 7. Jason Tatum was supposed to be someone coming off the bench. And I think if I were Gordon Hayward... I'd be sweating because Jason Tatum is a better basketball player than he is. That's pretty obvious. You see that dunk on LeBron James? Ouch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Al Horford played pretty steady, pretty decent. He, I guess he was the uh, glue. I probably think that he's not the championship type. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. Marcus Morris had a pretty good uh, playoffs. He ran his mouth and got it done. You know, he, he stopped LeBron in game one. That took a lot. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines is going to be an unrestricted free agent. And you think that they may try to sign him again. He was good for them. He was very good for them. All season long, he stepped up big. And what about Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart is a restricted free agent. Where is he going to go? I think he's a restricted free agent. Either way, he could be gone. That has to be a priority, bringing him back. And it looks like they want to do that in Boston. I think that they should. And Danny Ainge says he's not going to go overboard. He says, you know, I my memory is a little longer than most people's. And Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, because that's the talk, and I kind of started it, I think. They're going to stay because he says, I remember their body of work. I remember how great they are. Well, you know what? That's true. But you can't tell me that you don't feel pretty good if Gordon Hayward can never be what he was, that you have Jason Tatum in the wings, right? You can't feel bad about that. And Kyrie, three knee procedures in the last three seasons. That's not good either. But at least you have Terry Rozier, and he's there for another full season, and then he'll be a restricted free agent. So you got these things. And Danny Ainge says, I'm just going to do a little bit of tweaking here and there. Now they have Greg Monroe, who could be gone, and I think that he will be. You have Shane Larkin, who might be gone, but I think that the Celtics try to bring him back. Um, this is a really good young team, and this could even be better. I, if you got rid of one or both of Irving and Hayward, you could actually bring in a center that could actually play. You need a center, Boston fans. You really do. You need someone who can get rebounds. 
You need someone who can get more than 8.3 rebounds in a freaking playoff series or in a playoff in 19 games in the playoffs. You need a double-double guy. That's what you need down low. Okay, Cleveland didn't need that necessarily because they have LeBron James. But you don't have LeBron James. So what you have to do is get a little more balance, get a little more, uh, get a few more numbers out of the fours and the fives. And I hope to see Boston do that because I really enjoyed watching that team play this season. I enjoyed pleasantly surprised at how much I like Brad Stevens now. And that's not a bad thing, is it? He's done a fantastic job. I think a lot of my uh, issues with Brad Stevens have more to do with him being rated so highly and so young and not having ever won even a playoff series. But he's, that's all done now. <laughs> and you got to tip your hat to Brad Stevens and the Celtics. And Danny Ainge, man, he put together a fantastic unit. But if Kyrie walks away next season, after next season, if he even plays next season, you never really know. With someone who has three knee procedures in three seasons, you got to try to get something for that. You don't want him to walk away without getting anything. Even though you got rid of a few contracts and you lost a pick, you still want to get something for him. You don't want him to walk away. You don't ever want to see a player walk away uncompensated for. Just ask the Atlanta Hawks. They know all about that. Al Horford being one of the guys that they let walk, they know all about that, Atlanta fans, don't you? All about that. Yep, Boston fans, you got a treat there. You really do. You have perhaps a dynasty in the making. And it ought to be fun to watch them do that. Houston, man, wow. They took it to Game 7 against Golden State. I thought Golden State would win in 6. They did win in 7. They lost the last two games. By no small coincidence, Chris Paul did not play in those games. He injured his hamstring. And, you know, I remember kind of speaking tongue-in-cheek, but not really. I said, Jay, or Chris Paul hasn't been hurt yet. He hasn't been hurt yet. And he didn't disappoint me, did he? That hamstring has been bothering him for years and years and years and years. Always crops up at the most inopportune moments. And they took it on the chin. Now, I think they may have pulled it out. Maybe. You know, when Golden State made those runs, and they did make those runs twice in elimination games, down by double digits in two different elimination games in that series. And I can say honestly, without any hesitation whatsoever, that Chris Paul was stopping those guys before he would slow down their momentum by coming down and getting a bucket, usually a three. They didn't have that in Game 6 or Game 7. Trevor Reza was awful in Game 7. What was he, 0 of 11 or 0 of 9, whatever it was, from beyond the arc. You know, the interesting thing about the Houston Rockets, and I, I said this all season long, is that if you live by the three, you also die by the three, and they died by the three this time. They shot 39% or 35% during the regular season from beyond the arc, and they shot 33% during the playoffs. That's not so easy to do, is it? It's not easy. Clint Capella, he really played well in that series and in the uh, entire postseason. Averaged a double-double. He had a nice, nice run. He's a good player. Houston fans, you should be really excited about him. 
You know, P.J. Tucker played very well in spots, mostly at home, though. You know, mostly at home he played well. Like most average to good NBA players, play better at home than they do on the road. But James Harden just missed shots. He missed a lot of shots. He didn't do a very good job shooting threes, did he? Like 19 for uh, 78 in that seven-game series. He jacked up 78 threes and missed a whole bunch of them. He shot like 20%. That's that's tough. That's tough to take. You know what else is tough to take? Is people saying that he's not a real MVP. Well, he's not the MVP yet anyway. Now, he should be. Either that, like I said, or LeBron. One of the two. But you can't take away what James Harden did this season. You know, the MVP award is for the regular season. It has nothing to do with the postseason. You know, we keep moving the goalposts. Every time we want to talk about one of our players or ride one of our hobby horses, we like to move the goalposts. You know, what people do in the playoffs have nothing to do with the regular season. James Harden had a fantastic regular season. He nearly averaged a triple-double. And his teams win. Houston had the best team in the NBA. You know, they, they fell a little short, but you could always look back and you could say, you know, Chris Paul got hurt if he stays... If he plays, we win, Houston fans think. And they might be right. Mike D'Antoni feels that way. He thinks that way for the reasons that I described. He said, you know, Chris Paul came down the floor and stopped rallies because Golden State can flip the switch on you at any moment and crush you. We saw that in games six and seven. James Harden needed to step up, and he didn't, but that has nothing to do with him being an MVP. You know, I, I can remember not too long ago, people were saying the same things about LeBron James. And he was in the league longer than James Harden. James Harden ain't been in the league but seven seasons, six or, six or seven seasons, since the 2012 season, his rookie year. When he, he, by the way, alongside Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, and Russell Westbrook, got to the finals, and we all thought dynasty. We all thought dynasty. And as a Seattle Supersonics fan, I felt nauseous. <laughs> Should have been our team, but that's neither, That's a different thing altogether. And you saw what happened to them, right? They're, they're, just a, they're just a couple games away from being a lottery team every year. Harden's gone, Ibaka's gone, Durant's gone. But this Houston Rockets team is a decent basketball team. They did things this season. Now, I think the big question for them is, is what happens with Chris Paul? Chris Paul will be an unrestricted free agent. I believe this is the first time that he will be able to say this. And, you know, he took a sign-in trade from the Los Angeles Clippers. But he's going to be a free agent. And who says that Houston's going to re-sign him? I know they would like to. But that doesn't mean he's going to. So they have some serious questions in Houston. You know, what do you do about Trevor Ariza? Trevor Ariza really did not play well in these playoffs. He was not very good in these playoffs. Gerald Green, they brought him out of retirement, off the, out of a grocery store to uh, play. Luke Mabuamud, I believe that he's another one who... Uh, they have question marks surrounding. And what about the free agent signing of Ryan Anderson? Ryan Anderson had a dismal, abysmal season. You know, what are you going to do with him? 
So they have a lot of questions there. They have some bright spots. Of course, you got James Harden. You have Eric Gordon, who did a nice job coming off the bench, which is more suited for, I think. Clint Capella, like I said, averaged a double-double in these playoffs. He averaged a double-double during the season. He's a tremendous player. Mike D'Antoni proved he can coach and do his thing and get you to the conference finals. James Harden makes a few more shots, and they make it to the NBA finals. But again, to say that he's not an MA or most valuable player of an NBA team and of the league this season is ridiculous. It's got nothing to do with the postseason. Let us know when it does. But stop moving the goalposts. Those awards are regular season awards. Remember those things. Regular season awards. Did he have a better season than LeBron James? Is he more valuable than LeBron James? Well, that depends on your definition of valuable. LeBron James dragged a team that's a lot worse than this Houston team to the Eastern Conference Finals. I have a hard time believing that the Houston Rockets would have beat the Boston Celtics. I think LeBron James should be the MVP, but then you can say that about him every year. James Harden can make a very good case for him, too. Should have won it last year. So stop it with all this bringing this stuff up about their uh, postseason miscues and mishaps and trying to judge someone based on an award that's regular season only. Because he didn't do that during the regular season. He didn't lay all those bricks in the regular season. Give him a break. Give him a break. You gave everyone else a break. Give him a break. And we always have these fun discussions lately about who the greatest player is of all time. Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? How come they never mentioned Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that sentence, in that conversation? See? See how easy it is to uh, add someone? See how easy it is to add a preference? But let's just say, for argument's sake, we have to have a conversation about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Who's the greatest of all time? That's what people want to know. Who's the greatest? Like Muhammad Ali, I'm the greatest of all time. Yep, he was. I I, th- I have to say I think he was. But uh, in basketball, it's a little different. In basketball, we judge these guys, I think, sometimes unfairly. I think just like the... MVP award, what we do is we move the goalpost to make our arguments better. See, we don't really have a criteria for who's the greatest of all time, who's the GOAT. We don't have a set criteria. We can talk about championships, and if we did, well, we'd have to say Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, but then we would have to add in Robert Horry, too. You know, we can talk about Who's gotten to more NBA Finals? Well, that would be LeBron James. We could talk about, oh, I don't know, uh, how many consecutive finals we reached. Again, that would be LeBron James. We could talk about, oh, I don't know, what any number of things, I suppose. We could go to statistics, too. And if we go to statistics, there's hardly an argument here. Michael Jordan scored more points. Almost a thousand more points. 
in a thousand or about a fifty games less, or well, eh, about a hundred games less, three thousand minutes less, more specifically. But LeBron has almost two thousand more rebounds. And he has a couple thousand more assists. And he shoots more threes. And he's a better three-point shooter than Michael Jordan was. He's not a better free-throw shooter than Michael Jordan. They're about the same in blocks. Michael Jordan had more steals. LeBron James is the only player in NBA history with 30,000 points and 8,000 rebounds and assists. The only player in NBA history with that. Do we count those numbers too? And then we can look at some of the teams that they played on. You know, one thing Michael Jordan enjoyed was continuity. Every one of those six championships he had one of the top 50 players of all time as his wingman, Scottie Pippen. You remember Scottie Pippen, right? He's in the Hall of Fame. The first three, it was basically just those two. Okay, they had a few others. Horace Grant. The second go-around, they had Dennis Rodman and Tony Kukoc. Technically, five Hall of, possibly five Hall of Famers on that unit. The coach, Phil Jackson, who coached every one of Michael Jordan's championships. And then you have Tony Kukoc, who is up for the award or up for the honor this year. I don't know if he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but he's up for it. And then you also have Phil Jackson, the one who arguably one of the greatest coaches in the NBA history. Michael Jordan enjoyed a lot of things that LeBron James never had. Mike, Michael Jordan didn't have to carry his team all by himself. Like LeBron has. LeBron's dragged three teams to the finals that probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. If it weren't for him, they wouldn't have probably. LeBron James took a bunch of scrubs into Golden State in his first season back in Cleveland and won two basketball games with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on the sidelines. Listen to this one. Listen to this team that he carried. Shannon Brown, household name, right? Daniel Gibson, who is he again? Do you remember? Drew Gooden was pretty good. Larry Hughes was halfway decent. Zudronas Iglaskis was pretty decent, but he was no Hall of Famer. Damon Jones? Dwayne Jones? Donvell Marshall? Ira Newble? Sasha Pavlovich, who's more known for uh, dating Maria Sharapova. Scott Pollard, who is more known for, I don't remember, Kansas, playing at Kansas. Eric Snow was halfway decent from Michigan State. Anderson Varejo, he's been all right. He's People know who he is. And David Wesley, that's who he dragged to the NBA Finals. And you know who his coach was? I'll give you a guess. It was Mike Brown. That was then. That was in 2004. Now, let's listen to this team. This is the 2014-2015 uh, version. Lou Munson, Remember him? Yeah, nobody does. Will Cherry. Do you remember him? 
Matthew Delavadova, lots of people know who he is, but not for the right reasons. Joe Harris, is Joe Harris around anywhere? Household names, Brendan Haywood, household name. Okay, Kyrie Irving, he's a household name. LeBron James, household name. James Jones, good shooter, but who's going to remember him in 20 years? Alex Kirk, you know Captain Kirk, right? But not him. Kevin Love, Kevin Love, we, we know. Sean Marion's a possible potential Hall of Famer. Mike Miller, Timofey Mozgov, Kendrick Perkins, A.J. Price, Iman Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, Anderson Varejo, and Dion Waiters. That's the team he dragged to the finals. He even won a couple games with them. Dion Waiters wasn't even on the basketball team at that time. Half these guys weren't, but that's the point. Look what he had to play with. And, Ty and David Blatt was his coach. Now, David Blatt may end up in the Hall of Fame because of his uh, coaching in Europe. He's one of the best coaches ever in Europe. But that's the kind of team he had. That's the kind of teams he had. Whereas Michael Jordan had, again, Scottie Pippen. Phil Jackson, the coach. He's had nothing but continuity during his entire NBA career. You want to know another thing? LeBron James never lost a first-round playoff matchup anywhere. Michael Jordan has. So I don't know. You know, you can talk about who the greatest is of all time. Me, I like enjoying them. You know, you're getting to watch a generational-type player pursuing history. He, that man's been in nine finals. Eight in a row. That's greatness right there, folks. Before he arrived to Cleveland the second time, the Cleveland Cavaliers were a lottery team. They were awful. They ended up in the finals and winning two games with a bunch of scrubs. And Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan. That dunk from the free throw line at the All-Star game in the dunk competition, priceless. Watching him play at North Carolina, amazing. Had he gone straight from high school, maybe he doesn't make it like LeBron. And that's the other thing. You want to talk about hype. LeBron James is the most hyped or was the most hyped player ever coming into a draft. He didn't let anybody down, did he? And at 15 years in the NBA, he's playing better now than he ever did. He doesn't even look like he's tired. Okay, you know he is. But you get what I'm saying. Michael Jordan, at the end of his 15th season, well, like it was 18, I guess, considering he played three years in college, he looked tired and beaten. So, who's the greatest of all time? Ah, who cares? Enjoy them. Go on YouTube and watch Michael Jordan play. Turn on the TV Thursday night and watch LeBron James play. And be ready to be entertained completely by two of the greatest ever. You can do it side by side if you want. Oh, you want to know who I think is the greatest ever? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, for me it was the skyhook, dudes. That's a shot that he perfected and no one else has ever been able to do since. Not as well as him. We see him try, though. We see folks try, but we never see them. And, you know, we've got this amazing series coming up 
between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. A foregone conclusion for most of us. Still nice to see them there. It's the fourth time in a row. Great theater for sure. LeBron James against Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. You want to talk about a loaded team? You want to talk about a team with Hall of Famers? Look at the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr is probably going to make it in the Hall of Fame at some point for something he did. That would be another player that LeBron, or that will be another player that Michael Jordan played with. But I don't know if he'll get in because of his hooping, but he'll definitely get in because of the rings he won and his coaching when it's all said and done. I would think so. But you have the head coach. Then you have Steph Curry, who's probably the will be the only unanimous MVP of our league. You've got Kevin Durant, who's a former MVP. You've got Klay Thompson, who's probably the best scorer on that team. He's probably headed to the Hall of Fame. And then you got Draymond Green, and a lot of people say, well, he might not make it. Well, he may make it, too. You never know. He's still got a long way to go. He's a young fella. You know, that's just it. This Golden State Warriors team of future Hall of Famers are all awfully young still. None of them are 30, I believe. If they are, they're just that. These are young dudes. You ever watch them play? This is how cocky they are and why people don't like them. You play as good as you can, and they play as good as they have to. I haven't seen them play great all season long. But did you see games six and seven? And I know, I know, I know. I know. Chris Paul was out, but I don't know if that would have made a difference. Did you see what happens when they had or were down by a double digits in games six and seven? You see how fast they turned the tables on people? It was 39 to 22 in the second quarter of game six. And the next thing you know, the Golden State Warriors are winning. That's how good they are. And that's what they're going to bring to the table in this series, just how good they are. Andre Iguodala probably will be healthy. And they're going to need him against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They need somebody who can stop LeBron. And don't tell me Kevin Durant, because I don't think Kevin Durant can. I know he, he thinks he can, but I'm not so sure he can. I'm not so sure he wants to. And then you have Steph Curry, that battle with George Hill. George Hill's a better defender than people give him credit for. He may not score. I know that's what the criteria is anymore for greatness, is how many points they score. George Hill does a lot of little things out there. And that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then whoever guards Clay Thompson, you've got Corver probably and J.R. Smith. And that's going to be a key matchup right there. That's going to have to be because Clay Thompson can go off. You know, before game six, oh, he's got a knee problem. He's going to be out. And then he jacks, what, 35? <laughs> Whatever it was. Who's going to stop him? You're going to have to stop him. And then you've got Kevin Durant. Then you got Draymond Green. Oh, well, he's not a good shooter. Well, he doesn't have to be on that team. He's the straw that stirs that drink. You better believe if Steph Curry is the leader of the team, Draymond Green is their heart and soul. They go when he goes. If he can keep his uh, emotions in check, which is kind of a double-edged sword because... This is how they win. 
his emotions. He's an emotional guy, an emotional player. If they can keep him in check, the sky's the limit. And on the other hand, what does Cleveland do? Well, Cleveland's got a hope because they've got a coach in Tyron Lue. I always say he's not the coach, but it, he is technically the coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. They should let Larry Drew be their coach. Maybe they will. Maybe Tyron Lue will be sick again. But let me say this. Golden State is in for a little treat because I think Cleveland takes one of those first two games in Golden State, in Oakland. If they can do that, if they can do that, the Cavaliers might beat them. They'll have to do that. They have to win one somewhere, and I think it's better to be sooner than later. And then hold serve at home. We've seen that Cleveland knows how to hold serve at home. In the last two playoff series, they were undefeated at home. They click at home. Kevin Love should be all right. He's going to be necessary. He's going to have to rebound. If this uh, so-called Hamptons 5 is together, that Hamptons 5 of Iguodala, Green, Durant, Thompson, and Curry, Cleveland's going to have to counter with Jeff Green instead of Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson's kind of been good and kind of not been good. It's kind of weird. (laughs) Maybe his girlfriend can shed more light on that. Who knows? But either way, I don't see him being much of a factor in this this series. I think it's going to be Jeff Green. I'd like to see Jetty Osmond get a little time because I think he could help them. You're going to have to have guys who are long and can slow down those wings a bit. And then, of course, you've got the king, LeBron James. He's going to have to do Herculean things. Not only is he going to have to do what he did last season, average a triple-double, but he's going to have to go big every single night. My prediction, you ready for this? I think Golden State does it in seven games. I think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I think Golden State wins in seven. If Cleveland wins one of those first two games, then I say Cleveland in six. Otherwise, Golden State in seven. You know what? That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Phil Nason Show. I want you all to I want to thank you all for listening. Don't forget to head on over to flashspeaks.wordpress.com. Take advantage of that Bovada free play of the day. Sign up for a premium subscription and make plenty of cash with a flash. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I thank you.